0: venues in the nation UD
1: Arena Captain Flyers are going to the
0: elite eight for the
1: first time in 30 years. So here here we comes go. top it again. Oh,
2: it's so
0: jam time. It's show time. The Dayton Flyer. Hey, here come the fly.
1: Welcome back to Talking Out Loud. A happy Friday to all of you out there. Flyers heading into the weekend. A little Friday release here to accommodate our special guest tonight. It's uh, WHIO's very own host of Flyer Feedback, the most trusted voice in the Miami Valley, John Bedell. John, welcome back to the show. It's been a minute since you've been on our airwaves. We'd like to welcome you back.
2: Hi, my name is John Bedell, and I feel ensorcelled about being Drew friend. Oh, wait, that, that you are, and you are a friend.
1: And Sorry. you are a friend. We, you are a friend. Uh, we, we're all friends on this show most of the time. Uh, Dayton coming off a 70-65 to 65 win in the Baron Cup number 1. Uh, didn't think they played really up to their potential. Deron Holmes had a quiet first half, a, a loud second half, we'll call it. Uh, he played well, but just didn't really feel like it was Dayton's night. They just looked a little bit off. Uh, John, you know, you did feedback and everything, so you got a good look at it what what were kind of your takeaways from Tuesday night and are there any concerns moving forward or is it just kind of a a game against a quad four opponent that you just need to win i think it's a the ladder
2: they just needed to win um i know some people get worked up about how they've been winning lately but i'm kind of of the same mindset of you drew where you know you're always tweeting now Al davis just win baby um I think that it's actually good that they're winning ugly lately. I think that's a sign of a good team that they've been fighting through adversity and it's not, they're finding ways to win when they're not playing their best. Like they didn't yeah. have their best game against Davidson. You still smoked them on the road. Duquesne was a struggle at times. You mastered into a rock fight. St. Louis is always going to slow it down, try to make it ugly, um, drag you into that, slow it down street fight kind of mentality with the way they like to play. Um, I was surprised that Duran was one for two in the first half. Like, you kind of look up at the box score and go, holy cow. And like, his first, that one bucket was on their second offensive possession off that pick and roll. And he was pretty quiet in the first half. Um, you know, St. Louis rips off that 14 nothing run in the first half. And you're thinking, uh oh. And they're only, you know, they're only up two at the break. St. Louis is, but still, you kind of felt a little uneasy. And it wasn't going to be maybe quite the evening Dayton fans thought it was going to be. Well, then Deuce comes out in the second half and like, dude
1: right out of the box four for six starts putting his fingerprints all over the game and they were fine. So the, the Detroit lions used to say this about Calvin Johnson. They would always say it's, it's never a bad idea to throw it to 85. It's never a bad idea to give the ball to number 15 anywhere on the court. Like at this point, like you can give the ball to Duran, even bringing the ball up the floor. It's never going to be a bad play. And it kind of felt like, you know, everyone else kind of wasn't feeling it that night. Uh, and it's like, well, you know, 15, like we kind of need you right now, boss. And, and and he delivered. And I thought your point about winning ugly and, and what not winning without playing your best ball was a good one because I don't think Dayton's really played a, a great game in the Atlantic 10 yet. Um what has gotten better is their defense. Uh they have not allowed over 70 points in conference. A lot of people's concerns about Dayton heading into conference play was their defense. And with the way Dayton was shooting the ball, you knew they weren't gonna sustain that kind of shooting numbers forever uh i think nate santos hovered like above 50 percent from three for the majority of the non-con i don't think he's there anymore um we're not a numbers show we're a vibe show and the vibes say that he's shooting under 50 percent now um and but i i think you're right and i still think dayton is has yet to play their best ball um you know st louis what do you make of st louis like ford it kind of feels like he's on the hot seat we had the burner account fiasco last week, which I touched on on the show. And then this week, you know, he's putting on his best shot of smart impersonation, trying to swipe down on Javon Bennett while he's taking a three. Oddly enough, it was the only shot that Javon Bennett made all night. So it's not very good defense, Travis, if we're being honest. Um, but w- what's an area you'd like to see Dayton improve offensively? Is there something that you've seen or observed that, you know, hey, maybe we're not doing as much of this or if you tweak this, I think it could look a little bit better. I mean, I think – well, two things.
2: One, to go back to your earlier point, the one red flag from Tuesday, and I think it's not huge because it has been an outlier because they've been shooting 74 – almost 74% from the free throw line. I know where you're season, going with this. But holy cow, man. Uh, I, what I said on the air on Tuesday, and I'm sure this prompted uh, some sweaters somewhere to get upset that were listening. What I, what I said was, I'm not typically make your free throw guy. But you got to make your free throws on Tuesday, and what I mean by that is, like, if you lose a two possession game, you lose by five. There's always inevitably somebody that'll call us up and say, "Well, if you just made your free throws, you would have won right. that game. You missed seven, and if you would have made those seven free throws, you would have won the game." I don't typically subscribe to that because it's it's more complex than that. There's sure. I'm of the mindset that in the flow of a game, there's different things you could have done besides making, let's say, those seven free throws in a five possession or a five point loss two possession game that would have made the game not come down to those free throws to begin with. And the flow of the game just isn't as simple as it boils down to just make those free throws. But man, when you go to the line more than four times as often as your opponent, like they did on Tuesday, Dayton shot 29 free throws. St. Louis attempted seven. You've got to shoot at a better than a 55% clip like they did on Tuesday against St. Louis, because like I talked about Tuesday with, Former flyer, Rex Gardecki, who was with me on the show Tuesday, that in a game like that, that is tight down the stretch, you're continuously by missing all those free throws by missing what 13 of them, whatever it was, you're continuously denying yourself the ability to give yourself some cushion and keep them at arm's length and give yourself some more breathing room down the stretch. Now they turned out fine. They won by five, but if they make half of those free throws, I think it's a lot more comfortable down the stretch.
1: Yeah, certainly, and I, I, I'm with you on like when you lose by five, you can always go back like, well, if they w- we would have made these free throws, well, that changes the entire complexion of the game. When I become make the free throw guy is when you're up six with like eleven minutes to go, and you're you're mess- you're not making free throws. You're going one of, you're only getting one. You're not making any. It's when you it's when you look at it and you go, all right, it's a two possession game if you make those four free throws that they're, they're just sending you to the line. All of a sudden it's a four possession game and you've put that cushion in between you and the opponent. And now they have to chase you that like, those are the games when I get most upset about missing free throws. And it's like the ones when you lose by four, you know, there's a lot of different things that go into why you lost the basketball game and very rarely are free throws, unless you were up like two with five seconds to go and you miss the front end of a one and one and they come down and hit a three to literally win the game. Like very rarely do you lose a game because you couldn't make free throws, but you can let teams hang around in a, in a game that they're not supposed to when you miss free throws, and I think that is kind of what happened on Tuesday. Well, the other thing you can do let somebody hang around, and this has been the bugaboo for them all
2: year. I mean, if I had a dollar for every time Anthony has brought this up to Larry when he talks to him right after our games, I, you know, it it's ridiculous how many times he said, "Hey, we got rebound rebounded again." They've played what? They've played sixteen games. They've been out rebounded seven times. Now it hasn't, you know, killed them too badly because they're still winning games. But he made a point, Anthony did, even to mention to Larry the other night, hey, I think we finally like I rebounded somebody for once because they were plus two against St. Louis. But it's not it's not really been getting any better because they keep harping on it. And it hasn't killed them just yet. But that's a concern for me because especially some of these games it feels like their inability to grab defensive boards. Like when you continue to gift a team Extra possessions, yep. extra looks like that. That's gonna cost them in a one and done situation like the tournament. Um, so you hope that they can at least somewhat improve on that. But it, at this point, like mid January, getting into late January, you start to feel like the tiger is not going to change his stripes, and Bright just might not be this team's strength.
1: Yeah, and I, I do think it's gotten better past couple of games, and but yeah, I, it's I have a feeling it's just gonna be one of those things that lingers around, and especially when you go on the road and you let teams get offensive rebounds cuz more times than not if you give up an offensive rebound they're kicking the ball out for an in rhythm wide open three or you're getting a stick back layup or dunk and that's how you get crowds involved that's how teams go on runs sustain runs and it could very very much be an issue the Houston game was you know the worst case scenario of to what can happen to you if you are not at least mediocre on the defensive glass. Like you don't need to go out there and be five Dennis Rodman's, you know, offensive rebounds are going to happen in basketball. But man, when you're giving up like 13 to fit, I don't know what the actual number is, but like when you're giving up double digit offensive rebounds every night, like it does get tiresome. And I feel like I've said this about roughly 90% of Dayton teams in my lifetime is that they can't rebound. The 2019, 2020 team could rebound. Like they that team didn't really have a weakness, but like they could rebound. And I feel like 90% of Dayton teams and we've always had this issue. And, but I don't think it's quite been this bad. No. And it's not, I don't want to kill him about
2: it because it's, right. you know, like I said, they're, it, it's, and they we're like, winning. We're 14 and two. Like, it, <laughs> that's it, the other when, thing.
1: when you're 14 and two, yeah. like you got to find and the, the other thing is, is there aren't really a lot of other areas to nitpick about this basketball team. There really correct. isn't. So that when is you see that thing that could flip a game, you know, God, heaven forbid, the second week of March. You want to fine-tune that stuff before you get there. Well, I think, too, they also had flashes
2: on Tuesday night where the rebounding was really good for different stretches. Right. Uh, Like, I remember Javon Bennett, Uh, I think it was the second half, if I remember right, because they were going away from me on the floor. Um, He grabbed, like, a really tight 50-50 ball that, like, in previous weeks, I remember thinking to myself, that's maybe not always a ball this team gets to in the last several weeks with the way they've been rebounding. And then, like, key play, I thought two of the ones that, I took down on my notes was, number one, Isaac Jack grabbing the back end of Deuce's two free throws. uh, Duran makes the first one, misses the second one, but then, boom, there's Isaac Jack. He puts it back in for essentially a three-point play. And then the second one was Deuce getting his own miss in the second half. Gets the rebound, dribbles out to the right wing, and bang, right in St. Louis's face, there's a three. So there's two plays where a rebound is an instant spark plug and a huge offensive boost for that crowd that, dude, I got to say— That place was going bonkers on Tuesday night. That was a party. We're
1: reaching. That was fun. We're probably not quite to like the level of loud that the, the peak 1920, but we're in the neighborhood. We're, we're starting to knock on the gates a little bit. And Saturday could be like, if we go on like a 15 2 run punctuated by like a leak out Deron Holmes dunk that, that place is going to go ballistic. And I'm very excited. I've, you know, with, with my job at 700 uh, WLW now, I haven't been able to go to as many games this year and I will be there on Saturday. I told, I straight up told my scheduler at work. I'm not missing this one. I'm not, I'm not missing the return of Archie Miller to UD arena. And it's a nice smooth transition here. We'll talk about the roadie game. Archie Miller makes his return to UD since he defeated VCU to win the A-10 way back when, back when I was a student, At UD, I remember the game. I don't remember much after it. Um, But that was, uh, it turns out, it was Archie Miller's final win uh, at the University of Dayton. Uh, He lost in the first round of the A-10 tournament. We lost to Wichita State, and he was off to Hoosier land. Uh, Let's just start here. The reception that Archie is going to get, I've seen the discourse on on Twitter. Is he going to get cheered? Is he going to get booed? there's I'm going to go with it. There will be a smattering of booze from people. There will be some cheers. It'll be interesting. What, what kind of read do you have going into Saturday with the return of Archie?
2: I mean, here's what I think. I don't, I don't think it's complicated that before the tip, when he's introduced, he should get a warm reception. And as Agreed. soon as that ball's tipped, every Dayton fan should be hoping that Anthony Grant and the Dayton Flyers beat well, that ass. Correct. It's
0: correct. just, that's, that's it's not exactly complicated. How
2: and, yeah. and and, and supporting, showing your appreciation before the ball is tipped to the coach that up to this point was at the helm for the most successful stretch in program history because even the great Don Donahue did not make four right. straight NCAA tournaments. You right. know, the Elite Eight, the five NCAA wins in two years, all these things. Uh, showing your appreciation for that before the game and then – supporting this iteration of the flyers team and Anthony grant, those two things are not mutually exclusive. And I, I just don't, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I, I I shouldn't say don't get it. I do understand some of the attitude of some Dayton fans who feel jilted because he decided to, he left to go to what he viewed as greener pastures. And let's get one thing straight. He did not leave. He did not take a pay cut going to Bloomington. Okay. That didn't happen. Um, and the prestige, because I remember his dad, I'm pretty sure it was his dad, John, and not Archie himself, that gave Tom Archdeacon the quote of, uh, you know, John had kind of given Arch the inside baseball after he got hired of kind of how Archie felt through the process. Uh, and you reaching out to him and all that and how they closed the deal to go to Bloomington. And John had told Arch, you know, basically Archie had, had thought there's, there's a handful of jobs in America that when they call, you don't say no to. And Indiana is one of them. And I get that. You know, he comes from a coaching yeah. family. Archie, you know, didn't have any other hobbies, didn't hunt, didn't fish. Like, he just right. ate, Eat, sleeps, ate breathe, slept, basketball. and breathes basketball. And to get a chance to go to a place like Indiana where, you know, he wanted to – it wasn't just about the money. He wanted to advance, you know, his career, go to a, a, yep. a place that he viewed as, you know, it does have a lot of prestige and a place yep. where they've had trouble following through on these expectations. Lately, but to win a national title, like that's the expectation there,
1: and and put yourself blame him for that, right? And you put put yourself in his shoes. I could be the guy to bring Indiana back, like that. I think that little portion of the Indiana job is why it remains so coveted as it is. Is like I could be the guy that can get Indiana back to where they once were under Coach Knight. Will they ever get there? I don't know. I kind of have my doubts. They kind of feel. Nebraska football adjacent to me, but basketball is—you know—basketball is a completely different sport than football. You get two or three guys, you—you know, you can be really good. But I think the—the—the the vi- the vision he had was like, "I'm going to bring Indiana basketball back." And obviously, oh, for sure, it, it didn't work out for him there. Yeah. I thought he had some—you know—solid years, but again, but the—the the flip side of that coin, when you go to a program like that, is they do not have the patience for it, and if you do not bring them nope. immediate success. You are going to be shown the door. Exactly how he was, and, and you get a great buyout in the in the process. You get
2: correct. a really good yeah, buyout.
1: Here's ten million to go away. I'm sure Morgan didn't mind the buyout.
2: <laughs>
0: uh,
2: but but well, no, I, the I mean, and personally, like he always treated me
1: well here in right. Dayton. You know, I spent. A lot I've never of time heard. Him I've he heard nothing over. but good things about Archie from
2: yeah, media I mean, members he, and the like. He came over a lot to Channel Seven to do the coaches show with Hartsock back in the day, and I was working Sunday mornings back in that time. He was always good. You know, it wasn't like any in-depth, long conversations, but he was always good to me. Um, and I know that I don't speak for Larry Hansen often. He can do that for himself, but I know that Larry feels the exact same way. We've had this exact conversation in the last few weeks, and Larry's like, look, I hope that he gets received well. I think he should. And then, obviously, Dayton fans are going to want the Flyers to just smoke uh, Rhode Island. Another quad four game on Saturday. Don't lose quad four games, Drew. That's always advisable. And that, and advisable. that is kind
1: of what like I want to talk about is, for as much as we're putting into this game – and as emotional as it'll be and the kind of stuff that'll be flying around pregame, you strip that all away. And all this is, is a quad four game against a team you should, you should beat, And if you lose to them, when the resumes come out in March, it's going to say bad loss, Rhode Island at home. It's not going to care that it was Archie Miller's return first game back in Dayton. the The committee doesn't care about that kind of shit. So at the end of the day, you got to have these players ready and you know, The quotes, I'm sure a lot of people have seen the quotes from Holmes and Elvis about how, you know, uh, he, I hope he doesn't expect a warm welcome and all this. It was like, that's kind of the attitude I want to see from them. Like, oh, okay, you want to cheer, you want to cheer this guy down, you know, the guy that we're playing because they don't have any emotional attachment to Archie Miller. Correct. Like, they, they don't like, they may remember Dayton going to the Elite Eight when they were what I was 18. So they had to be like 11 or something like that or 12. So like you think they care? Like they? I'm sure they want to go out and like no, Grant's our guy. Like this is our man. Right. And you know these kids aren't dumb. They they see they see stuff. These kids are aware of more than people think. I I like to I like to believe, and I think they see some of this stuff being thrown around, and I think they're going to come out. Let's call it prop. I don't think Anthony will have to give them any extra juice, or I think they're going to bring that all on their own, and. It, it'll be interesting to see. And it, this game would have been a lot more intriguing had Rhode Island, not gone to Olean and gotten just Dude, they got, promptly kicked out of the building. By they 40. got dump truck. They got like, dumped on Wednesday. I looked at, it, I was like me, me and me and my yeah. father were talking about it a little bit this week. And he's like, yeah, like they're going to Bonnie and it's going to be tough. And I kind of said to him, I was like, I don't think this is going to go very well. And sure enough, I looked at that score and boy, it, that's underselling it, that it did not go yeah, well. Yeah, because,
2: so, you know, uh, yeah, even Tuesday we were like, well, they're 3-0, and but, like, I remember saying on the air Tuesday night, but let's see what they do against Bonnie's. Now, I didn't expect them to get that. run over and lose by, like, 30 bad. I didn't expect that, but I thought, well, okay, 3-0, but let's see how they do against Mark Schmidt and company in Olean. Um And to be clear, let me backtrack for a second. I will not be giving Archie a standing ovation. Uh, I think no, he I will should not, be received pretty well. I, I will not now, boo I, him. I don't think I will cheer. There, no, there's no cheering on press row, Drew. And while some that's people correct. will give former coaches standing ovations on press row, I'm not a clown. I won't be doing
1: that. All right. I am a professional. That's because you're an upstanding member of the media, John. That's why. <laughs> I'll take my I'm card carrying member. <laughs> Respect the biz. Yeah, uh, that's why uh, no cheering on the press on press row. So that's why when I had my media credential for Maui, I, I just went up in the stands. Hopefully hey, they're works. not. There you go. Hopefully the, the hopefully, door. hopefully the Maui people aren't listening to this because I'm trying to I'm trying to track down another media credential for this coming November. Yeah. But that's that's story for another day. So we we've kind of covered we've covered Archie. We've kind of covered this game at large. I think I think Dayton comes out properly motivated. Like I said, they haven't played their best game in a while. I kind of feel like they're gonna. I don't know what this number is. That's probably not out yet. It, it'll be Dayton. It's got to be 14, 15, something like that because. There are 12 and a half against St. Louis, and I think St. Louis is probably better than Rhode Island if you put them on a neutral court. But the number will be intriguing. I kind of, you know, hopefully I don't need my words here. I kind of think we're heading towards an ass kicking.
2: I mean, I think they'll be fine because I think Anthony's got them dialed in to the point where they got to this this point in the season of dreams where – they were marching towards 18 and 0. And as they inched ever closer, you know, they might have a few games where it was yep. looking kind of tight on the road, like they were inching towards a stinker. Right. I know for a fact at one point in a, in a huddle at Duquesne that year, they were kind of struggling against the Dukes. And basically, the first thing out of Anthony's mouth in the timeout was, and I'm paraphrasing here, because uh, this is a family show, you know, do you guys want to mess up everything we've built to this point? Because they had come so far and he knew and they knew dropping a game that year at Duquesne was going to start to unravel everything they had started to work for and the March toward 18 and 0. And I think that's, they're getting to that point now because they have built such an impressive body of work. I mean, drew, did you got guys like Jerry Palm saying they're, they're on like the four, we're talking four or five seat line right now. And I think they realize that, and that we've seen in pretty recent Dayton flyers history, what it will do to your resume. If you lose a quad four game or three and I, I I know that they don't want to lose all that equity they've built up to this point. And I think they're dialed in. And I think they realize that at this point of the year, the tough reality for them is have they put together a really solid body of work and a really serious, no kidding at large resume. Yeah, they have. But when you're in a league like the a 10 this year, I think they're fully aware that the resume, I said this on Tuesday, the resume building is now done. It's all about like resume defending at this point. And you can't, step on too many landmines that are unfortunately this year are all over their schedule
1: the rest of the way out we're in the just win baby portion of the season like the the resume is what it is now it's just don't lose like don't lose those games and the atlantic 10 no smooth transition here the atlantic 10 is a goddamn minefield this year uh the league is just not what it used to be. and it, it, it probably will never get back to the days of having four or five bids, but man, it's been bleak the last four or five years. The Atlantic 10 has um, like one bid last year. Well, I think one bid the year before that Dayton was going to be the only one bid uh, the and, last
2: year was the first time that was one. Uh, bid that's since, right. That's right. We did. Uh, five
1: or Oh six GW. It's been a right. minute. Yeah. And, but to the point, like, they're not getting four teams and five teams in anymore and you're not getting you're not really getting very many quality games in the league it's funny i was listening to the mark titus show today and he had bobby regan on and who's a kentucky guy and he talked about how people are talking about kentucky's resume it's like well they only have one quad one win and he's like well you want to know where kentucky gets their quad one wins in conference play in the sec when they go on the road and play whoever it's probably going to be a quad one game. So you don't need to worry about the resume unless they literally lose all of them. And if they do, we have much larger problems. Like that was the point he was trying to make Dayton is the complete inverse of that where they have to get all their bread in November and December. And then they just got to hold on to the cliff for dear life and hope that those teams you beat in November, December can find it in January and February. And that portion has happened for them this year with Cincinnati starting to compete in the Big 12, getting a big win against TCU. St. John's has been very tough in the Big East. SMU is a win that has paid dividends. Even LSU, which has is a quad two game. So all those teams that you have beaten have done their part to make your resume look very good. Now it's your job not to mess it up. Right.
2: Well, and here's the fun thing for Dayton fans too, is that this is the first time since, the season of dreams since 2019, 2020. Where at this where at this point of the year, they've had a no-kidding at large resume. They just yep. didn't have that in twenty one and twenty-two because even after those incredible wins of Kansas and Belmont yep. and Miami, you still you still lost the completely killed all of your margin for error and were like barely breaking even at that point because you had cratered with those three yep. by game losses, and then you dropped the one, you know, and then to their credit. They ripped off a whole bunch of wins the rest of the way out and avoided any more bad losses until they got to LaSalle and until they got to Richmond in the A-10 tournament. And the committee flat out telling you when they were the first team out, look, you guys, master class in take care of your own business and don't leave it in our hands because we didn't think your resume was nearly strong enough to survive Richmond's bid steal. So now they've got this incredible at-large resume that, they, they've they've taken advantage of just about every opportunity that's been in front of them. You can't kill them for losing the Houston and um, the the Houston and uh, the Northwestern games. Obviously those aren't even close to a bad loss and here we are through getting into late January where they don't have a smudge on a resume.
0: This is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working.
1: And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Yeah, and that's that's well said. And if you just take care of your business, don't lose the Quad Four games. You're going to find yourself in the tournament regardless of what happens in the Atlantic 10 tournament. But, but... The big thing I want to, I want to win the A-10 tournament this year. If nothing else, I want to win that darn tournament. Because you want to know something that, you know, everybody's having the debate. Who's better? Coach Grant, Coach Miller, all this and that. You want to know something they have in common? Neither of them have won the Atlantic 10 tournament. Neither did Brian, well, Gregory may have. Did Gregory win it when he was the, was Gregory the coach or was that Purnell? That won it Let's 0-3. That's
2: real-time real fact check.
1: Oh, man, that 0-3 would have been BG, right? I think it would have been first year of BG, BG, or it's last year of Purnell or first year of BG. Oh, boy. For some reason, I, I want to say it was Gregory. This is so embarrassing. We don't know this. Can we edit this in post? so we make it sound like we know what we're talking about? Yeah, we could edit this in <laughs> post, but we probably won't. That, that's the greatness of this show, John. No. Always that's a too work much in much progress. Pressure, Drew. I can't Google this fast. Oh, always always a work in progress. Well, While, you, while you're doing that, well, I'll do a tweet of the week here. Uh West Pine Bluffs St. Louis Twitter account. Uh he tweeted on Tuesday night after Dayton's victory. Uh nobody celebrates quad four wins quite like Dayton does. Now, uh I don't know if he's just buying into the hoopla of the ABC as Harewood MVP trophy voters, you and I. Uh Deron Holmes, by the way, was the winner on Tuesday. Shocking, I know. He was a uh, minus one fifty on the betting sheet. Um Uh, Dayton's had two quad four games this year and uh, all their quad four games are coming from conference and you can only play the players who are in front of you. So I don't know what you're on about, man, but uh, Dayton kind of owns St. Louis uh, anyway, that it's kind of not really talked about how much success Dayton has had against St. Louis, like the last six years or so. So sorry about it, man. Get better. Maybe get a new coach. There you go. Have we figured out? Have we figured out our, uh, our answer here?
2: Oh, yes. The WHIO stats department, which is me. We looked it up. It was Oliver Purnell. Uh, so for yes. not knowing that, I'm not sure if I'm going to be allowed back on this show. And also three of the guys that I co-host feedback with, Keith Walskowski, Nate Green, and Brooks Hall, who all played for OP. They might just disown me and kick me off that show, too. So, well, it was in, that ca- it was in, run, in that Drew.
1: case, I'll just bring them. I'll just bring all of them on. We'll have a whole big roundtable and we'll just talk yes. about how. The stats department has failed them. No, not really. But I would like to have all those gentlemen on at some point. But right now we have John Bedell. John, I mentioned the Cincinnati game. You were there and you have a story of an unruly Bearcat <laughs> calling nice, uh, our beloved Flyers uh, bum-ass Dayton. I was I was doing the radio. I was, doing, I was on the board for this game, which I was not happy about. I was on the board for this game and Dan Horde does a great job. Perry Nelson does a great job. Mo Eggert, they all do a great job. The way those boys were talking after we won that game was like they just lost to someone who didn't deserve to be in the same building as them. And I straight up told all of them, you watch where this Dayton team is in January. And you want to know what happened tonight? Lance McAllister at Keith Walaskowski on his sports show on 700 WLW to talk about the Dayton Flyers. Dayton Flyers on a Cincinnati radio station. That's where the Dayton Flyers are at. John, please. Floor is yours. Okay, so my wife and I went down to the game that night.
2: And right after the under-16 timeout, first of, first of all, let me rewind. I is my understanding that UC emailed their people as their exclusive window to buy up their own chunk of tickets for the game was about 48 hours left to go on that. And they emailed and said, hey, If you haven't gotten tickets for the game yet, the ones that we have exclusive rights to for another couple of days, if you haven't done that yet, do that now. Because if you don't, the Dayton fans will buy all our tickets. So their AD, their athletic department, clearly knows how Dayton fans operate. God bless this Bearcats fan sitting behind us in section 125 or whatever it was. He did not. Because right after the under-16 timeout in the first half, I hear this guy go, man, what are all these Dayton fans doing here? I'm thinking like, oh, my Catch, God, this is catching a such... game, <laughs> catching a game four four miles from your campus and filling this place. Two thirds full of the rest of us. That's uh, two thirds chapel blue out there, bro. So anyways, I just kind of like I was like, OK, that's kind of funny. Here's a guy. Now, here's a guy like, you know, Frank Caliendo's John Madden, like who just doesn't understand Dayton, Dayton basketball or the way right. this fan base travels and the way this fan base travels like a 45 to 50 minute drive from from campus. Um, so then with about 90 seconds left, you know, the route is on. We, we all watched that assing. We all saw it. We all watched it in person. We saw it with our own eyes in arena full, two thirds Dayton fans. And he goes, Drew, how are we going to lose to bum ass Dayton? <laughs> I now, love I these kinds say, of people. This is so great. And as soon as he said it, I'm like, man, I'm going to get so much mileage out of this. I will say that my better judgment and the entire row of Dayton fans right in front of my wife and I, who were very nice and we had a great time with during the whole game, recognizing me in the first half. Hey, are you John Bedell? That's me. Prevented. Yeah, I am am him. Yes. Thanks for watching. Um, (laughs) Prevented the second (laughs) half beers I had had from doing the talking. Um, And so I just, (laughs) I didn't say some things I was thinking at that point, but what I really said was, you know, it's actually going to be a pretty good loss for you guys if you think about it. Um,
1: and sure Not enough, wrong.
2: shout out to that guy, man, because even though he didn't know ball, I heard the cool kid say that one time, drew
1: sure. Sure. I just did, want sure to no ball. A lot of but, people in Cincinnati didn't know ball that night.
2: Shout out to that, that random Bearcats fan because man, less than a month later, bum ass Dayton is the top 25 team.
1: Drew, what a time to be alive, man. What, what a time to be alive indeed. And I'll say this, if you throw out the preseason ranking, from the one year, because preseason rankings do not count.
2: Well, I thought we hung a banner for that preseason top twenty-five. Wasn't that a banner? Uh, if, we, somewhere? if we
1: did, I am going to make it a point to take it down on Saturday. Um, okay, Anthony. Uh, when Anthony Grant is ranked later than November thirty-first, brother doesn't lose. At least in the Dayton, uni- at least as a Dayton coach, brother doesn't lose. We are twenty-one. We are twenty-one in the AP. We are nineteenth in the net, and we are thirty-second in Ken Palm. And like we've talked about the resume and all the building stuff tonight, uh, a bunch, but it's it's we're harping on it for a reason because Dayton has this in front of them and it's attainable to play a game in March. And another thing about how, you know, that was a 45 minute trip. There's a quite a few, there's a big Dayton contingent in Cincinnati that oh, yeah. you know, I, I am among. So a lot of, you know, I know a lot of people who were going to that game that night. And I thought uh, Deron Holmes's is quote post game. Kind of said it all. He I'm par- again I'm paraphrasing here. He said shit, they'd go to Antarctica to watch us play. And god damn yeah, it dude. if he's not if he if he, he's not wrong. He is not wrong. And that's what you want to see. And with that, we are going to close out the Dayton portion of this show. Uh stick around for barking out loud where john and i discuss the 2023 cleveland brown season uh if you don't want to listen to Browns talk, go ahead turn the podcast off we, we have two rules on the show wear red be loud all that stuff go flyers see you saturday uh if you don't want to listen to all that you can go ahead and exit stage left if you would like to listen to a board operator and a newsman talk about uh this cleveland brown season then stick around we're, we're going to do about five to ten minutes here on the cleveland browns so uh stick around two rules on the show wear red be loud go flyer And welcome in to Barking Out Loud, the official Dayton Flyers Cleveland Browns podcast hosted by Drew Westerheide and John Bedell. Uh, John, <laughs> a tough, a tough end to what was a, a very, very fun, uh, tumultuous Roller coaster ride that was the Cleveland Browns season. Uh, first question: Would you consider the season a success? Yeah, yeah, I think it's yes,
2: but it's it's hard to view it that way. Even though we're starting to put some distance between ourselves and that stinging loss of, you know, hitting a brick wall at 100 miles an hour and everything just unraveling so quickly last Saturday. Um, I think so.
1: I, I would agree. I my big thing was you gotta make the playoffs this year. It was an all in year. Obviously, the year all in. If you'd have told me in September, it's like, all right, the Browns are eleven and six. Uh, they're going to the playoffs. Uh, they did not win the division. The Ravens did what they did. Uh, our quarterback set the world on fire in November, and you know, you kind of go through the, the numbers and everything. I think, oh, Sean Watson had a pretty good year. Well, he was five and one, but uh, no, that was not the case. Uh, We had Dorian Thompson Robinson, the pride of UCLA uh, quarterback, a couple games, including a, a a game winning drive against the Steelers. PJ Walker beats the 49ers in a result that still does not make sense at all. (laughs) Knowing what we know about that 49ers team and uh, what we know about PJ Walker playing quarterback, um, Obviously, Deshaun Watson goes 14 of 14 in, in the second half in Baltimore to win that game, the last game that Baltimore lost. Uh, and then uh old Joe Cool himself, uh, Joe Flacco comes in off the couch, but not really because he was staying in shape and throwing the ball like every day. That was my favorite thing. It's like, oh, he came in off the couch. I'm like, yeah, like, yeah, he did, but like it's not like he was sitting around eating pizza and not doing anything with his time. The dude was, was staying ready for an opportunity. So a season that you couldn't, you can't predict you lose the most beloved player in that locker room by a wide margin. The second week of the season due to uh, a questionable, we'll call it a questionable hit from Mika Fitzpatrick. Um, But it was fun. John, you were there for the, the Thursday night clincher kind of take me in, kind of take me into that environment. What that was all like, Uh, Everything leading up to the game, during the game, after the game, you know, kind of take me through what all that was like.
2: Well, that was fun because I was there with my brother, Tom, and uh, he texted me right after they beat the Texans the first time on Christmas Eve because we were spending Christmas Day here in Dayton and then driving up to my folks house in the Akron area on the 26th to go spend the rest of the week up there with mom and dad and everybody else. And so he texted me and it was just a screen grab, Drew, of the Ticketmaster page of the two seats, one of the seats highlighted and just the eyes emoji and it had the price over it. So I texted him back. I was like, is that a piece or is that total? Just to get some perspective. And I, I was going to pay it either way. And he goes, it's a piece. I'm like, let's do it, dude. So we got the tickets. We went because, you know, we we're going to be home. They were having it. We knew then they were going to have a chance to clinch a playoff berth on Thursday. Me and my brother going up, spending quality time together. And we've watched because I'll be 37 in June. So I very faintly remember the end of the 95 season right before he who shall not be named hijacked the franchise to Baltimore. And then since they've come back, really, that's all I really know is the rebirth era. I mean, you know, Ozzie Newsom and. Otto Graham and, you know, Bernie and Brian Sype, those are all ghost stories from my late grandfather and my dad of like the glory days of Browns football past. So I've watched a lot of meaningless football in that stadium. The closest I've ever come through before Thursday night to watching a playoff clincher in Cleveland Browns stadium, a meaningful football game, was the end of the 07 season one of the brown season of dreams. They went 10 and yeah. six. They missed the playoffs, right? We all know how that season ended. They tied the Steelers. For the Colts division. are still
1: dead to me for it. Correct, yeah.
2: So I was at that 49ers game, which we knew then was completely meaningless because of the tiebreakers that were breaking down yeah. the way they were that year. It was an NFC game, completely meaningless, but they got the 10 and six. That was the one, one of the one o'clock games that afternoon. It was a total party leaving that place. People were feeling great. They'd won double-digit wins for the first time since they came back. You know the hype train was rolling. That was the Derek Anderson, Joe Giravicious, Jamal Lewis team. It was so much fun. Scored a ton of points, and then the Colts had to beat the Titans on Sunday Night Football. But of course, that was like when they were going fourteen and two with Tony Dungy, so they had to start Jim Sorgi when they had to rest all their starters to you know for their playoff run. And they Jim Sorgi couldn't beat the Titans, and we were out. So that was the closest I'd ever come before Thursday night from seeing some meaningful football. The place was a total party walking in there. It was ready to explode. And, dude, we so as we're going up the escalator, everybody's kind of like so, some woman was like, hey, who's doing the who's doing the dog dog pond captain? Like, I heard it's going to be somebody big. And I was like, I heard Chubb. She's like, I heard Chubb, too, because my my brother's buddy, one of his best friends from UD, had like some inside sources who were mm-hmm. like, it might be Chubb. We're getting to our – when we're going up the escalator, we're getting off the escalator, walking to our section up in the 500s. The lights go out, and they're starting the, the player intros. So Tom's like, we got to hurry up, too. we got to be in our seats for that dog pound captain thing. So we get up just as they're, like, introducing the last three or four guys of the defense. Place goes bonkers once Miles comes out as the final introduction of the starting lineups. They do the national anthem, everything. And then Nick Chubb comes out for the dog pound captain to smash that guitar. And, dude, I'll tell you what. When he was on the Jumbotron, held up the safety goggles and tossed them and put on that Batman mask, dude, that place just exploded. And I was like, I turned to, I was like, Browns by a million, Browns by yeah. a million. Like this thing is, this is over. This is over. So Zach, Zach, so
1: Jackson, Zach Jackson had, uh, he was, he, he brought up about, he's like, they're making a big deal about the game day captain. And he made some sarcastic, like. My guess is, you know, so and so. I forget who he said it. It it made me laugh. It was a good, it was a funny one, but he quote tweeted that tweet. He goes, Nick Chubb in a Batman mask. Place is going bonkers. I was just like, oh shit. Yeah, that's, we're not losing this game. No, no way. Uh, I've only felt that way about two other game day captains. When I found out who they were, I was like, there's no way the Browns lose this game today. Number one was... Jim Donovan earlier on in the year against the Steelers when he made his return that I had a I had a buddy who was at that game. He was like, I didn't know whether to like primal yell or like cry my eyes out. He's like, but I knew we weren't going to lose that game. The second one was last season when we played Baltimore on Saturday afternoon, 430 game, J.R. Smith comes out and it's like 15 degrees and he just takes his shirt off. And that place, like, it probably wasn't quite to those two levels, but it was some of the loudest I've ever heard that stadium before. And as I love J.R. Smith, I've loved J.R. Smith, even before he was a Cleveland Cavalier. I always loved J.R. Smith. So that was my guy. So that's my game day captain story uh, um Zach's so guess could, was
2: Vinny testaverdi I remember that's right that tweet in the that's right and
1: just dying because I actually know Zach a little
2: bit yes um that's that's who <laughs> it was Vinny Test- my is guess so- is Vinny Testaverdi. <laughs> it's so on brand it's for good Zach's Zach, a great follow <laughs> <laughs> Zach's he great. is he's so one good. of my he's favorite he's follow. one of my favorite Browns guys
1: good dude inside and yeah, and it, so funny and so you know it obviously the season ended not yeah. the way we wanted Jacksonville is also entered into the, you're dead to me category because all they had to do was beat the Titans again. Yeah. And they, they, cause I think if we go to Jacksonville, I think we win that game. Yeah. And I think we're moving on running into CJ Stroud, who is, you know, on the heater of a lifetime. All I ask of him now is, is win this weekend, just knock the Ravens out for me, man, just take it all the way, like go, just go all the way. So, you know. Show everyone how bad of a coach Ryan Day is because he didn't win anything with you, and <laughs> um, that's you know that's a that's a story for another day in another podcast. Yeah. But, but uh, it, uh, no, next it was year, fun while it lasted, The it, it, the sleeping on the Browns has already begun. Yeah, for uh, sure, I, and I, I mean,
2: yeah, and, and I and I just want to say one thing, one more thing about this year that is that it's it, it can't be going forward. Obviously, it's not going to be oh, this was a successful year because we went 11-6 and and we got blown out in the first round of the playoffs. Like, that's a loser mentality. It can't always be that going forward. But for a year that started with a lot of people, I think rightfully so, thinking, man, if they miss the playoffs, like, you know, Jimmy Haslam might clean house because we know how mercurial uh, Haslam is. And thinking that, man, if this thing goes off the rails, we could be looking at Barry and and Stefanski losing their jobs. And for, like, a Browns fan like me, I just want some freaking stability, Once in my life with this team and I was like oh god Please just not another cleaning of house Like you you it looks like you finally Got a combo that somehow The blind squirrel of Jimmy Haslam Has like finally stumbled into getting it Right and You've got a combo that we're like just stay With it and with through all the adversity Through all the injuries and I know they were just above the League average in terms of like actual numbers of injuries But like you're all pro running back Both three of your of your offensive Linemen including both your starting left Both your starting tackles um, just, all, you know, being without Garrett and Ward for stretches, like all the stuff they overcame to make the playoffs, yeah, still has to be a success, but that can't be that same attitude right. going forward. It's not and the it mark of success. That, it's a successful yeah. season. It's not Correct. the mark of success moving forward. And, and it, I, was, it sucks because this team was good enough to win more than one game in the playoffs. So they for, looked like they were, anyways. For sure. And I think going forward, it really would have helped their development to keep that playoff train rolling to keep that what what that experience would have done for them, I think would have, would have been obviously beneficial going forward. And I think that's a shame that it ended just so dude so quickly, so, so quickly yeah. in that third it,
1: quarter. It, but you know what? Like, it's kind of funny when they came out that we were the Saturday four 30 game. I was like, all right, you know what? We're the first game. If we win, we can celebrate all weekend. We can watch the football. And, and if we lose, well, you know, maybe something crazy will happen and nobody will care about what happened in the Browns game at Saturday, four 30. Well, shout out to the Dallas Cowboys for that performance on Sunday, because everyone has just been enveloped with that whole conversation and everyone (laughs) is for everyone has forgotten about the Browns (laughs) loss already. We're moving forward. We're moving on, uh, you know, as somebody who is pretty connected into the Cincinnati sports talk radio scene, uh, the folks down here are already starting to sleep on the Browns next year. And I love it. I love it. Uh, the, the goal next year is win the division, we need that. You, you saw what a home playoff game did yeah. for the city of Detroit. Yep. That you're going to be on pretty much equal, equal playing field. If Cleveland, if you let Cleveland get a home game.
2: And that's my and- thing. That, that's what I kept thinking. Drew being at that stadium for the Thursday night game. And I know a lot of, you know, NFL fans of other teams that listen to this show will think like, God, what a sad, Low bar that is in Cleveland. That you know you get so excited about a playoff berth, but that was one. It was just really special to share that with my brother, and two. What the other thing I kept thinking, man, was my God, what this place would be like for a home playoff game. What I would kill to see. What I would do. I would kill to see this place filled up for a home playoff game because it it would be. Did it be so special at that? And I and I think if
1: if if the roles are flipped from Saturday, like if Houston had to come to Cleveland to play. I think that game might go a little bit differently. Um but you know, that's all conjecture, that's all hearsay cuz and the fact of the matter is and the NFL is a results-based league, everybody talks about it. It's binary, you win or you lose. Sometimes you tie. But you you got to win, so next year you got to take that step forward. Hopefully Watson can show a little bit more stability. I kind of like you know, it's easy to point to the 14 to 14 in the second half and be like he was about to find it. But I kind of felt like he was finding it anyway. He played bad in that first half, but like, and it was the Cardinals, but like the week before he looked very good against the Cardinals. It really looked like he was starting to find his footing within the Browns offense. And the other thing is, is that you've seen the blueprint. You've seen the formula for how you Kevin Stefanski wants his offense to look like, give us that. Like you don't need to be the Sean Watson from Houston anymore. You just got to be a good, smart quarterback. Don't turn the ball. That was the other thing. We turned the ball. The Browns turned the ball over entirely too much. I think it was two times a game is what it came out to in the end. And, you know, that stuff, when you play a good football team, is going to bite you in the ass. And you're going down. You're down 10. You get a stop right out of the gate in the second half. And you're driving down the field. If Even if you just get a field goal, you make it a touchdown game instead. It's a picks. I have never preemptively said, oh, no on a throw more than that one. When Flacco oh, no, had the ball, uh, uh, obviously, <laughs> obviously the people listening can't see this, but the yeah. the ball is here, John. It was right here. It wasn't even out of his yeah. hands yet. He's got two yeah, you know, defenders yeah. enveloping him. And I, I immediately just go, Oh no. And sure enough, it lands right in the sure hands of a Texans defender. And he takes it all the way. And that was all she wrote after that. So uh, that was your 2023, 2024, Cleveland Brown season recap from the Barking Out Loud podcast. Uh, if you if you made Flacco it this Flacco, long, Flacco, baby. If you made it this long into the show, I commend you. I commend you greatly. Uh this yes. has been uh, John, this has been a lot of fun. Uh we'll have to do it again sometime soon. Uh we'll ha- I'm going to uh I'm going to try and get on flyer feedback. I'm trying to decide Heck if yeah, I want to be we'll have you. I'm trying to decide if I want to be Drew in Sydney or Drew in Cincinnati. Ooh, he did not. Either one. Uh, So maybe. I'm going to, I'm going to hop on the phones, kind of bring the rep up for your flyer feedback callers a little bit. Uh, you We're know, at Milano's trying, now. Don't forget. Come to Milano's now. New home. Got to say right. great choice. Great. You know, shout out to Flanagan's love Flanagan's yep. great pub Milano's. just feels like the more appropriate setting for a flyer feedback post game. So you know what? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll, we'll pop into Milano's on Saturday after a Dayton victory. John, We have two rules on the show. Could you please let me know what those two rules are? Wear red and be loud. He's correct, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your Friday or whenever you may be listening to this. Archie Miller's return, 1230, Saturday, USA Network. We'll catch you there. See
0: you. This is the story of the Wad. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding